Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. I'm solid to the crack. Never change me and my son the rain. It gets wet when we hang. I'm solid. Could touch the blue part of the flame. The blue part of the flame. And nothing I just want to roll with Welcome to Sportsfire. The sports comedy podcast that accidentally sat in the tall chair at Wimbledon and had to just wing it. I'm your host, Adam Weinerman. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, shagging balls with children in the outfield during the Home Run Derby, sharing a pint or two with some worn-out children after the Home Run Derby, and hiding out from Dan Snyder while we're both on his subpoena-dodging yacht. In a bit, comedian Ben Wheatmartian joins me to talk Reds, Bengals, Timberwolves, and Superstitions, and the Super Bowl alone. But first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. Novak Djokovic captured his seventh Wimbledon title over the weekend as Nick Kyrgios defeated Nick Kyrgios. Up next for Djokovic is the U.S. Open. Oh, sorry, that was a question. Is the U.S. Open? To him, it is not. Got it. The Pittsburgh Steelers have sold the naming rights to Heinz Field, but Pittsburgh fans will definitely still call it at 3 a.m. Christmas Day to ask if they're a good person. The new name will be Acrishore Stadium which sounds like the arthritis medication Ben Roethlisberger will eventually endorse after the Hall of Fame bans him for having a head bigger than the busts. As for the giant ketchup bottles, well, they're going right to John Fetterman's house. Way to go, John. Former Seahawks tackle Dwayne Brown was arrested at LAX on a gun possession charge. The safety was on, but the safety was Jamal Adams, so it didn't lock anything down. The Raiders hired Sandra Douglas Morgan, who became the first ever black woman to serve as an NFL team president. Oh, what does she know about the game? She never even played, squealed 15,000 pipe fitters. Squeal on, you pipe fitters. Guard John Wall is happy to not have to be, quote, Batman for this year's Clippers. Instead, he'll be the Flash in a pan. Damian Lillard signed a two-year, $122 million extension with the Trailblazers this week. Lillard reiterated he didn't want to be like the NBA's other stars, always forcing themselves to new teams and cities. And why would he need to go anywhere else? He already found a sucker right there in Portland. Lillard will make $61 million next season, but if he grinds all day and night, never leaves the gym, and keeps getting shots up after hours, it'll still be $61 million. Chet Holmgren and Paolo Bancaro have owned NBA Summer League in Las Vegas, though Holmgren did get overpowered in the post by Kenny Lofton Jr. of the Grizzlies, as well as Tiny Breeze Jr. of the Air Conditioner. MasterCard has paused their sponsorship deals with two golfers who defected to Saudi Arabia's Live Tour. Both golfers will now have to switch to being American Express dismembers. And baseball legend Albert Pujols will compete in next week's home run derby at Dodger Stadium. Pujols is now 42 years old, we think, and his appearance will be mostly ceremonial. The balls will be koosh, and they'll be thrown by Rosie O'Donnell. And now, comedian Ben Wheatmartian drops by to talk Cincinnati sports, the MLB fan cave, and his new podcast, Me and My Five Ex-Girlfriend's Dads. 
As a wise man named Bill Simmons says several times per week, let's get into it. Ben, uh, thanks so much for joining me, man. Uh, it's not every day I get to talk to somebody who has this collection of teams, uh, Cincinnati specific, but also the Minnesota Timberwolves. So I really appreciate you coming by. Oh, yeah. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Adam. And yeah, I'm a bit of a fan unicorn. I, I, <laughs> I think I've tweeted it out a number of times. No one could possibly follow uh, my sports tweets and care about all of them. Uh, there's not many people who can say that. I don't want anybody reading my sports tweets, which is an issue because yeah. it's what most of them are, but they're not for, and they're mostly for me. Um, where did, uh, where did the wolves come from? I obviously Cincinnati area doesn't really have that pro team. So you sort of latch on wherever you, you know, you feel at the time, was that kind of the impetus there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I grew up, um, in, I born and raised in Cincinnati. All my family is still there. So I still have a strong connection to the city and I, um, and I love it. And, but when I was in, you know, fifth or sixth grade, I became this huge basketball fan obsessed with basketball and, um, it didn't make sense to like the Cavs uh, and everyone like always assumes that I'm a Cavs fan, uh, but uh, like Cleveland was our rival. We didn't like Cleveland in baseball or football. So why would I cheer for their basketball team? And it just so happened that uh, at that time, um, Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury were on the scene and Minnesota, the Timberwolves had, cool uniforms and those two guys were super cool and I was like oh why don't I just become a Timberwolves fan and I mean being a uh, a fan of an NBA team back then too was like my family didn't even have like cable or anything so like I was literally just looking at box scores in the morning and uh you know I had posters on my on my bedroom wall of like Kevin Garnett and Stefan Marbury and I I'd never really like I'd seen like highlights on NBA inside stuff and that's it um, but I had my Timberwolves hat my Timberwolves shirt and I was a T-Wolves fan do have you ever gotten to a home game at this point I've never gotten to a Timberwolves home game no I, I've been to Minneapolis a few times I like uh, I used to run track and cross country in college and we traveled to Minnesota a bunch of times uh, and it just uh, never worked out that uh, it, that I could go to a game or anything um one day i'll get to the target center though and it's gonna be wild the iconic <laughs> hopefully, hopefully in the yeah. next four years before they you know have to restart this rebuild again <laughs> yeah you you guys are in the news these days uh for changing i guess the entire nba trade market uh by the time this comes out later this week donovan mitchell i guess theoretically could be gone but you got the ball rolling by swiping rudy gobert for a, a lot I think, you know, a, a large quantity of picks. Uh, objectively, are you are you pro or anti-Rudy Gobert trade? And then I guess, are you pro or anti-Rudy Gobert the player? Which feels like two separate questions. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, number one, what's so great about the trade is people are talking Timberwolves. And, you know, <laughs> We're talking Timberwolves. Yeah, as a Reds fan, a Bengals fan, and a Timberwolves fan, that doesn't happen very often. Uh, the Bengals being in the Super Bowl, I got a little taste of, like, the national media is actually talking about my team. And now with this trade, uh, like, so just for that fact, I like the trade. Um, 
And then in terms of more like team building aspect, I, I do like it a lot because I think they, I mean, not to get too nitty gritty and we don't need to go into the details of uh, their defense and stuff, but I mean, Gobert just cleans up like so many messes, like every negative that cat is on defense and, uh, and D'Lo and, and, uh, you know, all the like trouble they've had on defense before uh, is he cleans up so much of it. And then also with D'Lo, I mean, there's no guarantee that they're going to keep D'Lo, but if they keep him, he's finally going to have a pick and roll partner because cat's really just a pick and pop guy. So just basketball wise, it makes total sense. And then finally the picks, they obviously overpaid like value wise, but that's what you got to do when you're a small market team, you know, Kevin Durant's not going to come and and sign at Minnesota. So like, you got to just build through that. And, and also like they have a young core with Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels. So Worst case scenario, this doesn't work out for two years from now. You've got Cat on a Supermax for the next, I think it's four or however long it is, years. So you pull the parachute. Worst case scenario is you pull the parachute, you trade Cat and get a bunch of picks back for that. And then you're building around Anthony Edwards and Jaden McDaniels, which is a fine, good, young core. I mean, it's obviously not ideal, but like that's literally like the worst case scenario. I say go for it. 10 yeah, times for, out of 10 for a small market. It's, it's really hard to do better. And, and this is in many ways, a Timberwolf summer. You've got the go bear deal. Obviously they showed fight in the playoffs last year and Anthony Edwards, a tour de force performance in Adam Sandler's hustle. Um, did you, did you see that movie? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was, uh, chomping at the bit to watch it. Uh, when it first came out, I mean, Adam Sandler is one of my, you know, uh, favorite comedy legends of all time. So I'll watch any Adam Sandler movie. Uh, and it happened that Anthony Edwards was in it. I knew he was going to be charming as hell. And he was. And oh, man. Uh, yeah, I love it's it. it's not. I mean, I love the movie. It's athletes acting is tough for me because I, I root for them. But also I kind of feel like I'm just watching someone who's really good at something else do OK at something that other people are yeah. really good at, but Anthony Edwards is great. Are, are where are you on athletes in movies? Like, I, I don't. I mean, would you go see a movie to watch an athlete star in it at this point? Like, who would who would get you to go watch a movie? Yeah, that, I mean, I I think I feel the exact same. Um, although I do think that movie did a great job of showing like game action. Um, yeah. I think it did a better job of doing like, like that's one of the biggest problems I think with sports movies is like game action always looks horrible. Um, when you see them actually play the game, like Friday night lights did it really well. And that's kind of like the last, uh, thing I can remember that did it really well, but they had actual players playing basketball. It seemed like, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm the same way. Like, I don't need to see a basketball player. Although, I mean, Blue Chips was fun. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't watched Blue Chips in a long time, but uh, maybe that, that doesn't age quite as well. But yeah, I mean, for the, for the most part, like, I want to see the, you know, the actors act and the b-ball players play b-ball. Yeah, I never want to see athletes in movies, but I always want to see athletes host SNL or Cameo and nobody else does. 
Like I, I remember Scott Pudsednik from the White Sox was on it after they won the World Series. And I was like, what a, what a get for update, Scott Pudsednik. And everybody else was like, they wasted three minutes on update with Scott Pudsednik. Yeah, yeah with a guy who's got a very baseball uh, last name. Yeah, yeah, I mean, with, I'm the with same no way. memorable I, traits, yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I I mean, the Charles Barkley episodes are, have been just instant classics always. And I recently, I mean, not recently, probably like four or five years ago, um, I watched the Michael Jordan, uh, um, when, when he hosted his monologue and man, it's like, he's, he's bad at it. Like, yeah. you know, kind of, if he, if he wasn't, but he's Michael Jordan and he's it, like, he's telling jokes. There's something about the spectacle of like that superstar trying to do this thing that they're not good at and being willing to kind of like look kind of embarrassing. There is something funny about that. Uh, so as long as they don't overdo it, I, I'm totally fine with like one, one per season hosting, I think. Yeah, no, it, I mean, it obviously goes great comedian, famous actor, athlete, politician on the hierarchy, but <clears throat> if you get the right athlete and also, you know, for me, obviously my personal hierarchy athlete, a little bit higher, but in general for, for most people, not, not quite so much. Um, now yeah. I, I know uh, I, I'm a baseball aficionado i'm gonna pivot the conversation to baseball i I know you're a reds guy um are you reds first and foremost when it comes to cincinnati sports or or is that just the way i perceive you yeah i mean i guess so like uh i i kind of dip in and out of i i definitely have dipped in and out of the Bengals uh more so than the reds um i'm a big bearcats basketball fan uh, the University of Cincinnati Bearcats. Mm-hmm. That was kind of my first uh, true love as a sports fan because my dad had season tickets. So uh, going to college college basketball games has always been my favorite thing to do. Uh, but yeah, in terms of like every year, I'm always on the Reds and like I I can go a couple, you know, I can go 15 deep on the prospect list uh, <laughs> most years. So yeah, definitely. I'm definitely more of a Reds fan than a Bengals fan. That being said, I mean, this past football season was one of the, the best seasons of my life. <laughs> so I can't I can't say I, I hate the Bengals by any means. <laughs> did, yeah, I, I'll pivot just briefly to the Bengals. I mean, did that did the run leave you? It sounds like it left you feeling more hopeful for next year than bummed out by, you know, how close they came. There's something about reaching a Super Bowl that like it's hard to really tell somebody like, yeah, they lost the Super Bowl. It's like, yeah, they lost the Super Bowl. Like it still feels yes. great. Yeah. And I, here's my biggest issue. Like we touched on it before and I feel like I'm probably like a lot of small market team guys, but it's just like the immediate disrespect after the Super Bowl was over was unbelievable. Like the Bengals, I'll just go on a real quick screen. Adam, I'm sorry about this. Real quick, I just rarely get to talk about no, this other than this is like, a screed. This is a screed yeah. podcast. Yeah, go for it. But to finish the Super Bowl, literally one drive away, literally one off good offensive lineman away from tying that game up, finishing that drive, and then to immediately just act like they didn't beat the Kansas City Chiefs, the best team in the AFC by everyone else's uh, estimation. They beat them twice twice they didn't lose to them once they beat them twice and then you're gonna come back and say like ah there's so many people saying the Bengals they were a flash in the pan they beat the Kansas City Chiefs 
twice, folks. Okay. I, yeah, that's my screen. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. So I am very hopeful for next year. Yes. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, the national question. the national media did exactly what uh, one of my least favorite things. Obviously, I, I am from a big market, so I have to fake the small market vibes. But <laughs> when when they beat the Chiefs, like the national media immediately moves on to a, what does this mean for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs not to celebrate the ridiculous upset road victory that the Bengals just pulled off? And right. then B, they pivot to rationalizing like, well, yeah, that's a rough loss for the Chiefs. Like, and, and for a team with the best quarterback and best weapons in football, you're really left wondering how they went down. And it's like, maybe Joe Burrow's similarly talented. Like, have yeah. we ignored the fact that the Bengals might be also very similarly talented? Yeah, and they, like I've said a million times, they were able to do it twice. I don't think you're allowed to say that a team is better than the other team if they lose to them twice in the same football season. You're in L.A. Did you do something special for the Super Bowl, or did you just cram into, like, a Bengals bar or a local bar? Where What were your plans? Yeah, I, I did the same thing just because I am a creature of habit. I knew I wasn't going to be able to get tickets, and I didn't yeah. ticket, and I don't even know if I'd want to go because, like, I, I mean, obviously, if someone handed me Super Bowl tickets, I would go. But uh, um, there was something about just watching it at my home. Uh, it's a kind of funny situation. My wife is a big uh, she's from the Bay Area. She's a big mm. 49ers fan. And uh, if you remember, there was a kind of a chance that there was a chance a good chance that they were going to play each other in Super Bowl. So we talked for a long time uh, about how we were going to handle that. Um, and thankfully, at least for me, uh, that we didn't have to deal with that. Um, but I just watched it with my wife. Uh, it was lovely. I was screaming my head off. She, uh, she has a few very embarrassing videos in her phone of me. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it was great. Like, I don't know. It's just so fun. Like, I, I wasn't even really that bummed. Obviously, I was bummed because they got so close. Um, and that's a good question that a few people that I've talked to with a few people is like, would you rather get to the Super Bowl and get blown out or get to the Super Bowl and ha be so close and still lose? Um, and I think still so close because the, the game was just an absolute blast. I've never had so much fun watching a football game. Um, yeah. And yeah, it was great. And it's one of those so closes where. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but you look back on it and just go like, man, we were so close. Not like, uh, like one singular guy fucked up. Like there's not a yes, moment yeah. you can look back on where you want to feel thrilled, but still kind of feel pissed off at one dude. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was like the offensive line uh, ended. I mean, there were like penalties and stuff. You get nitpick, whatever there, we yeah. could talk all day about that, but, uh, um, and, and yeah, the rest were against the Bengals and yes, the NFL <laughs> wanted the Rams to win and then blah, blah, blah. But, uh, <laughs> but the, the, it, it came down to the Bengals biggest weakness, their offensive line lost them the game. So, you know, that's just how it goes. And, uh, I had, like I said, I had a blast watching it. So pumped that they actually addressed the offensive line first day of free agency, they address it and or that's another thing that makes me so pumped about the season is like hey management's actually doing something about it what do you know i so. also love i love that like that that football playoff schedule of the one game every week with that long chunky break where 
you and your wife probably did have to sit down like every week and reassess like, <laughs> all right, like we both move forward again. So let's have this conversation a little more in depth. Yeah, it's getting close. Uh, it, we finally decided like if it happened, we would she would go up and, and spend the weekend with her family and I would watch by myself, um, which is, which sounds pathetic. And I don't know, sad, but like I watched the first playoff game by myself, uh, the first Bengals playoff game by myself. And I was just texting with my little Cincinnati uh, fan friends group chat. And uh, it was a blast. I, <laughs> I had so much fun. Yeah. So it probably would have been similar for the Super Bowl. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. I mean, sometimes I can't even watch because I have the anxiety jitters. But when you're watching a yeah. playoff run, you, you once it gets to playoff time, I feel like you can't miss those. I, I would watch yes, a game exactly. by myself. I've watched a game by myself. I've, I'll do it again. I'll probably do it this week. Um, yeah, yeah I've, I'm huddled in a, you know, a stressful ball the entire time. Yeah. Do you have uh, do you have sort of go to superstitions for your teams? And if so, do they vary based on what the team is like? Are you going to watch a Bearcats March Madness game somewhere other than a big Reds playoff game? Or is it just sort of a boilerplate thing? You know, my superstitions are all like uh, per season. I feel like I don't know if you have any experience with this, but uh, I, I guess I've never really talked about this with anyone, but like my, I always start, I grew up, you know, very superstitious. I was always a superstitious kid and 100%. I've tried in my adult life to be less like that. Um, so like every season I go into it, I'm like, I'm not going to care. Like, I don't care what I wear. It doesn't matter. I'm a, you know, rational adult now. Um, and then as the season progresses, you know, like I start getting these little rituals that I like lean on. And for the Bengals this year, I drank one beer before the game and then didn't drink at all until the end of the game, <laughs> which was a sacrifice that I just had to make. Uh, and, and it worked out until it didn't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I obviously would love to be a rational adult. It would feel so good to be a rational adult. Yeah, wouldn't I, it? Oh, my I, God, I would love I, it. Yeah. I, I think I've gotten worse. I think I've gotten worse, not better since childhood. I discovered, I think I was probably like the Yankees Red Sox ALCS in 2003. I just had a rubber ball that I would throw in the air for the entirety of the game. Oh, yeah. And just that something about like something that. Yeah, it just like clicked. I was like, this is, I think this is good. Like I went my whole childhood without a superstition. And then I was like, <laughs> this rubber ball thing is, this actually feels sick. So now I'll alternate, like I'll put glasses on for a game. I'll crumple a paper. Like I'll do all sorts yeah. of things that really should not be, be happening. at the same Yeah. The, the one thing that I still, I, I kind of still stick to is uh, I don't usually wear uh, like bangle stuff or red stuff or bearcat mm -hmm. stuff during a game, <laughs> which is kind of defeats the purpose of having the, the dang <laughs> stuff in the first place. Yeah. Um, because like how often do I wear like a Reds jersey I live in LA like there's no reason to ever wear a Reds jersey except for during a game but that's when I have like this Chad Johnson Bengals like a real deal like good jersey and the only times I've worn it in the last like six years is to auditions for like <laughs> football fans for Chad something. Johnson yeah yeah for Chad Johnson yeah <laughs> <laughs> biopic coming next summer yeah sounds i'm gonna be honest with you not very good but i will be in line uh i'll be there i'm not excited yeah. about it but i will be there yeah yeah it's gonna be a bad story <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's fine that's fine sounds really bad um 
are you uh, approaching this? I can't keep shoehorning the Reds in here. I apologize. I love baseball. No, I mean, it's kind of a pathetic state of affairs going on over there. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, now they're the time. The they are. They're yeah. in a rain. They're in a rain delay as we speak. They will be in New York for the rest of the week. Oh, um, nice. Oh, okay. Good. I was afraid I was going to miss it. Uh, oh, some of it. no, no, no. Yes. Late, late start, wet times in, in New York City. Um, do you have sort of an ideal... I guess this is the only thing you could talk about about the Reds these days. Like, do you have a Reds trade deadline plan, um, both emotional and rational? Like, Luis Castillo just made the All Star team again. Like, where are you on that? You know, is that is that a guy you understand probably has to go, but you don't really want him to? How do you manage those feelings? Yeah, I mean, what kills me about Luis Castillo and our, the other is Tyler Malley is the, is our like you know lesser known mm. I guess people are talking about as a trade chip um it's like those two guys were developed by the reds and like if we're not going to be able to extend the guys that we like develop from the minor leagues then like what are we doing like we're just doing this over and over again and it drives me nuts like i really think castillo has like in the last seat like both this season and most of last season he's unlocked something and i think he's going to be like a true number one starter for many years to come. And, and I love him too. I think he's also like, just the fan side of me is like, this guy's cool. He's funny. He jokes around with the, like our sideline, or I don't know what you call him in baseball, a sideline reporter, uh, Jim day. And he's, <laughs> he's great. He's like such a great like personality. And uh, I just wish they could extend him. I understand that he's probably going to get, traded and uh i don't want to mess i don't want the reds to mess this up because like they are deep their system is very deep in pitching so they just but their bat like they have zero bats coming up except for like one or two guys and like they really need uh like a, a serious like outfield bat that will be ready in the next two years so they need like a foolproof outfield bat and I'll be fine with it along with other stuff, obviously, but for Luis Castillo. Um, but I mean, my ideal is to, for them to extend them. And then Molly, I think is like good, but uh, he, uh, I, I would not like shed too much of a tear if they mm. traded him, although they extending him would be a good idea too. So anyway, I'm approaching it like I do every year. Like I, I get a little excited to see the prospects like every uh, fan does, but at the same time, it's like this, why are we doing this over and over again? It's yeah. depressing. I, I guess I tried to bring the reds back so many times because I, I know that you're someone who spent time in the MLB fan cave in 2013, which is a uh, crazy yes. thing that no longer exists. Um, but from an outsider's perspective, I can't even really begin to get my hands around what that experience must have been like was, I mean, whatever you can tell me, what were sort of the expectations versus the reality of that? Because that almost feels like a baseball fan's dream, but also kind of water torture. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> exactly, I think. Um, I mean, it was it, it, in, in so many ways, like it. I have so many mixed feelings about it. But number one, yeah, I, I met my wife. Uh, mm -hmm. She was in the fan cave the year before I was. 
and uh, she was working for MLB when I uh, when I was in the fan cave. So at the very least, you know, I've got the love of my life out of it. You can't yeah. you can't blame MLB for that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was they tried to it, just to exp- like very briefly explain what it was. Yeah. Uh, I was there were nine of us like uh, baseball fans of different teams who had to sit in this storefront a former tower records in new york city on fourth and broadway uh and watch every single major league baseball game of the season and then also like what i did was like i wrote sketches and blog posts and social media stuff and and uh during that so you're kind of like uh, a fan like blogging your fan experience of this like mecca but what it was was a, like a poorly uh envisioned marketing strategy for major league baseball i think and poorly executed <laughs> i think um i don't I, like not to just like the people who worked there were all very nice most of them were very nice and uh <laughs> and like got it but you know i was kind of sold a different uh uh a a, they didn't really explain to me what it was exactly uh when i agreed to do it um and not that it was torture or anything but like (laughs) they just didn't i I was told like oh you'll be able to like write a lot of comedy sketches and it'll it like you're a comedy sketch writer and actor you can you'll be in all these, like, that'll be your job. And it is. And they kept saying like, this is a job. This isn't like, you're not winning a prize. This is a job. And I was like, good. I want a job. (laughs) I'm an out of work comedy writer. I want a job. And when I got in there, it became like this weird, they kept trying to make it like half a reality show and half this, uh, like other thing, like virtual fan experience or something. Uh, so they never quite landed, I think, on a full like vision for what it would be. And it just kind of like petered out um, at the end and it no longer exists. But uh, yeah, it was it was definitely weird. Like, I, I definitely know I'll, I'll say one more thing about it is that I definitely know and like baseball more than I did before I did it, um, which is worth something, I think, Uh but it, which is, it, it reminds me of how much I, you know, really like the sport and I enjoy watching baseball games still. So it worked to yeah, a certain degree. That was important. I was going to ask that too, as, as bizarre as it must have been, I, I will not dwell on that any longer, but I had to ask about <laughs> it. Um, before we go, speaking of baseball comedy, you had a running UCB sketch show for a while about baseball, which uh, this is a little inside baseball for everybody, but that always made me go, ah, you got to do it. You got to do it first. I mean, what was that process like putting that show together and, and how did you sell that to UCB? Um, oh man, it was, it's really one of my favorite things that I've ever done in comedy. Uh, it was called baseball is America. And it was basically a show of, uh, I think about, man, I think there were five sketches total. And then like a running video that went through the whole show. It was a half hour show. Um, and it, it was awesome. I, I, some of those ideas were uh, came out of the fan cave. I, I ended up uh, writing it basically right after the fan cave. And I had some stray ideas in the fan cave that they didn't ever let me shoot. So I had some of those. <laughs> and then uh, and I had a couple of friends who were great comedy actors uh, who were able to be in it with me. And it, uh, I 
at the theater, I don't know, like it, it, whoever's listening to this may or may not be familiar with the UCB theater, but you basically get a tryout to do the show. And uh, I submitted the script and, and they approved it. So I got the tryout and, and I got the run right after the tryout. So it ended up like uh, going very well. It was, I think the main thing is I wanted to make sure I uh, didn't make it too baseball-y, uh, if that makes sense. I mean, you as a oh, man... Yeah who does uh, sports comedy here, you, you know, you have to find that medium. And that's kind of the toughest thing with sports comedy. I feel like uh, oh, it's yeah. like finding that medium between the people who like almost know too much about sports and they, they try to sniff out someone who doesn't as well as people who, and you want to please them as well as the people who aren't going to understand references and, and stuff like that. Um, so I, I feel like that's one of my prouder moments, I think, is being able to write a show that I feel like appealed to both baseball fans and people who didn't care or like baseball at all. A hundred percent. And you've also nailed the number one problem and something that I struggle with constantly. And when I tell people sports comedy, they usually will. Yeah, they'll usually either test you or they'll just say like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, I don't like sports. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't like sports at all. I hate comedy as well. It's like, okay, thank you. Um, but yeah, yeah, you I'm did... not for you then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not at all. You can walk away, but you did an incredible job towing that line. Um, Ben, thanks so thank much you. for joining me, man. Um, I know you have a new podcast too. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit more about that before we go. Oh, sure. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I just released a new uh, scripted podcast. It's called me and my five ex-girlfriends dads. Uh, it's a kind of a sitcom, like a 90s sitcom parody about a guy who, by a stroke of fate, ends up living with his five ex-girlfriend's dads. Um, and it's just kind of a fun, very silly uh, romp through 90s nostalgia sitcom land. And uh, you can find it by searching The Borts, which is a uh, my little podcast uh, network. That's B-O-R-T-S, Borts, on any podcast uh, platform or app that you might have. Hell yeah. Uh, ben Weedmarshall, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, one final question. Final, final. Sure. Of course. Uh, which of the long-haired businessmen is most likely to buy a professional sports team? And which team would it be? Oh, man, it's got to be Kevin. Uh, that's me because he's the family man who probably uh, wants to get out of the house the most. And uh, he'd be the one to buy the team. And he's probably the only one of the three that watches sports because he's very much a suburban dad <laughs> of his three daughters. <laughs> well, thanks so much, man. Go Reds as soon as they leave New York, if you don't mind. Hey, absolutely. I'm sure we'll be able to accommodate uh, the Yankees. Three more wins for you. <laughs> ben Weedmarsh and everybody, I fully endorse watching Super Bowls alone. Add some seven-layer dip, double feature it with Top Gun Maverick, and you've got yourself one hell of a late Sunday. Those are two extremely long events to partake in. Also, the Reds beat the Yankees mere hours later, so Siri, look up reverse jinx in the dictionary. What's that? You don't want to? I understand. And now, my final flame. During the duration of my sports fandom, all 13 years, there has been no grander indiscretion than professional sports bending over backwards to please their corporate overlords with richer and richer stadium rights deals. Back in my day, 
Stadiums were named after what they held or where they were. Stadium on a river, Riverfront Stadium. Stadium on three rivers, Three Rivers Stadium. Stadium that moves constantly to dodge incoming asteroids, Dodger Stadium. It really was that simple, and we liked it that way. Or at least we tolerated it because we didn't know how much worse things could get. Pets.com Arena, what's next? Pets.com Stadium? It doesn't stop at stadium naming rights, though. Every seventh inning stretch is sponsored by a car insurance company that promises to pay for your surgery if you get seventh inning stretched through the windshield like a danged accordion. The kickoff of every football game is presented by either Sears, MasterCard, or a Sears exclusive MasterCard. And don't forget to tune in for the halftime show, where Terry Bradshaw and Jimmy Johnson will bare knuckle box to decide who has to share their Budweiser with 35 townspeople. And boy, are the townspeople ornery and already drunk. Where did we lose our way? When I was a child, there was nothing purer than sports. I used to walk down to the local blacktop with a basketball in my hand, a dribbling glove on my hand, and a Native American headdress on because I typically shot hoops in character as a racist guy. When I was done, I'd give my sweetie a ring and meet her at the malt shop for 40 ounces of malt liquor. Then the night sweat started. But back then we never would have dreamed of a sports stadium named after insurance, pet products, or chewing gum. Except Wrigley Field, I guess. The stadiums were hallowed halls, battlefields for our heroic gladiators. But that first glimpse of green grass after emerging from the tunnel is now forever tainted because that grass is now Kellogg shredded wheat. And it's not even green. It's tan. If you disagree with me, I'm happy to meet you in the court of public opinion. Unfortunately, it's been renamed KFC Yum Court. My thanks to Ben Weedmarsh and see you two weeks from Thursday. I'll be in Los Angeles at the MLB All-Star Game trying to lead the Red Sox into a cage using dangling cheese on a stick.